Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Good morning everyone. It is so good to be together this morning as we are thinking over the next few weeks about the kingdom of God. We are looking at a different aspect of this kingdom each week and today we are going to be thinking about the kingdom of God is a kingdom of freedom. Freedom is our theme and before we go any further I do just want to say that when we say that we're looking at and we're thinking about and we're learning about this kingdom of God it is not a theoretical kingdom. It is not simply a kingdom to learn about but it is a kingdom to experience. It is a kingdom to be a part of. It is a kingdom to be alive in. And so as we think about this today and all that we have done and all that we will do over the next few weeks, these are aspects of God's nature and character for us to know and come alive in. So freedom is our one for today. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word freedom. For some of us, it will be all sorts of different things. But um, every August, normally on a bank holiday weekend, I would normally be at a non-stop 72-hour worship event in a field in the south of England called David's Tent. And a few years ago, one of the worship leaders there, he stood up on the final morning and he started to sing this song, I want freedom. I want freedom, but not as much as you want me to be free. I want freedom, I want freedom, but not as much as you want me to be free. And it may surprise you to know, if you don't know God, that his kingdom is a kingdom of freedom. He wants it more than we do. He wants us to be free more than we want it. I believe that the Bible teaches us that freedom originates in God and that we were made in the image of a free God, which means that we were made, we were created for freedom. It rings loudly in his kingdom. And before we go any further, let's just confirm that freedom in God's kingdom is not chaos. It's not anarchy. In fact, there's a few verses in the Old Testament that talk about when God's people have got themselves into mess after mess and devastation. And it described it as it said, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And maybe you're thinking, hang fire, that is freedom, that everyone gets to do what they want. Everyone gets to do what they think is right. Well, I don't know if you remember or you've ever heard of Captain Sully Sullenberger. He, his plane was hit as it left New York, um, hit by bird strike, both engines failed, and he ended up having to land on the Hudson River. It was amazing. Google it if you've not heard about it. But in his book, he describes his whole life leading up to this moment. And he talks about when he was a fighter pilot training for combat and the different maneuvers that they would have to make, the rolls and the turns. Um, the flying so low to um, avoid enemy radar that they would just be skimming the tops of the mountains. And he talks about how when a pilot misjudged and crashed and burned, they would describe this pilot as having lost the picture. This pilot lost the picture. The pilot misunderstood their surroundings. They lost an awareness of what they were part of. And in a sense, 
This can be the danger of everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. We see only with our own eyes. We see only with our own perspective. And we lose the picture of what we are part of. We lose the picture of where we belong. We lose sight of each other. And there's a difference between being fully free to be ourselves and this idea of freedom that loses sight of the kingdom that we are invited to. Freedom in the kingdom of God is about belonging. It's both personal and communal. And we see throughout the Bible this desire of God to bring his people into freedom. When the Israelites were enslaved and in bondage in Egypt, God made a way for them to come out and to live in their own promised land, the land that they could call their own. And he gave them ways to live here freely with each other and with him. We know them as the commandments, but the Israelites spent their whole time yo-yoing between God's ways and their ways, so much so that they just ended up in captivity again and again and then when the old the new testament sorry opens the jewish people are again living in an occupied land the roman empire were in charge of their land so not only did they have this physical oppression that they were waiting again for freedom for a messiah to come and free them from the empire there was also this spent spiritually and mentally that they had taken the very laws, the very ways that God had given them to live freely and they had turned them against each other. The Jewish ruling leaders of the day were actually using the law to punish and judge and belittle and decide who was in and who was out and who was worthy of this kingdom. And this is the context that Jesus was born into. And when Jesus began his public ministry, he did it by standing up in the temple and unfurling the scroll and reading these words from Isaiah, as we know, Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners. This is Jesus's mandate for his life and his kingdom. And in the context of this passage, the Hebrew biblical poor weren't just those with no money, but they were those who had been relegated to the edges of society. They were the outcast. They were the dishonored. They were those who were seen to be the shamed, the social outsiders, those whom others had decided weren't right, didn't fit. And Jesus here is directing his life towards these people. Jesus is saying in this reading um, of Isaiah, he's actually calling from the past because when the Israelites did live in their promised land, there was a principle of jubilee, which meant that every 50 years, all land would be returned to those that own it. Those who'd have to sell themselves into slavery to pay off their debts would be freed. Debts would be abolished. There would be liberty for all. And it would be declared as a year of rest. And Jesus, when he stands up and reads these words, it's like he's saying, I am the spirit of jubilee. I am your freedom. 
excuse me, every debt is cancelled. You don't owe God anything. In fact, there's nothing you can do to earn your way into this kingdom of God. You can't make yourself right enough or powerful enough or smart enough or educated enough or rich enough or brave enough or whatever other enough you think it needs to be. You are free. There is nothing you can do to earn this kingdom and there is nothing you owe God. Your debts are paid. Jesus is saying, I am your freedom. And not just for 50 years, but for all eternity. I have come to earth to live, to die, to come back to life again, to overcome the power of sin and death so that you can know eternal freedom that begins now. This is what Jesus's message of his kingdom was. And there's this story I think that expresses this so beautifully. It's found in John 4 um, in the New Testament. You can read all of it. I'm just going to pull out a few verses um, of it today. Um, But it's a story of when Jesus got into a conversation with a woman drawing water from a well. And the well was just outside the town of Sychar in Samaria. And the Samaritans and Jews, just to give a bit of a sense of what was happening at the time, they hated each other. They were hostile to each other. They did everything they could to avoid each other. They disagreed on so many things. And one of these was where God could be worshipped. They had different ideas of where God could be worshipped. And that is what caused so much division amongst them. But Jesus finds a Samaritan woman at a well at noon and he goes over to have a conversation with her and he asks her for a drink and she says to him you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman Jesus should not have been talking to her in the norms of the day and yet you ask me for a drink and Jesus says to her listen whoever drinks from the water that I give will never thirst again It will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she asks for this water saying, I don't want to have to keep coming back to this well to draw water. And so Jesus tells her to go and get her husband. And she replies that she doesn't have one. Jesus then says, yeah, you're right. In fact, you've had five husbands and the man that you're with now isn't your husband. And she tells him, I can see that you're a prophet. But Jesus wants him to know that he is so much more than a prophet. And so when she asks him about the temple, he says, listen, it's not about where you worship. It's about your heart. True worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. And she says, I I know there is a Messiah coming. But Jesus, at that time, made an announcement. This was the first announcement that he had made to anyone. And he makes it to a Samaritan woman. And he says to her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. The very fact that she is at the well at noon is symbolic of her life. Normally people would have gone to the well um, to draw water early morning to avoid the noonday heat but this woman is there in the middle of the day in the noonday heat on her own. She is not there with the rest of her community. She is not there for any socialising. She is there to avoid 
people. She is forced to live and work outside of community. She seems like she had been ostracized from the rest of her town because of the life that she had lived. Her gender, her ethnicity, her past, seen by the norms of the day, held her at arm's length from everyone, including, she assumed, Jesus. But what does Jesus do? He crosses every line that had been drawn. We sing the song in church, there's no mountain you won't climb up, no lie you won't pull down, no wall you won't kick down, you're coming after me. And this is exactly what Jesus does. Those who were possessed by demons, as it's recorded in the Bible, were often banished to the edges. Those with leprosy were cut off from community. Women committing the same sins as men were often ostracized and punished. Tax collectors were often viewed as traitors and shamed. Samaritans and who others who weren't the right kind of people were avoided. But Jesus comes close. He touched the lepers as he healed them. <clears throat> Excuse me. He commanded the demons to leave people. He invited himself to tax collectors' houses for tea. And he went to a well in the noonday heat to heal the heart of a Samaritan woman. And not only to heal her heart, but to turn her story of shame into one of freedom that would change the people she lived amongst those whom the sun sets free are free indeed. Let me ask you a question. Where do you see yourself in this story? It is a good practice in the Bible that we can read these stories and actually hold it up as a mirror to our lives to read us and to allow us to experience this kingdom. So where do we see ourselves? Do we see ourselves as the woman at the well? Do we see ourselves as the town of Sychar? Are you the woman at the well? Are you at the well in the noonday heat? Maybe in some area of your life, not all, but you've taken yourself there because you think you're not enough. You think you can't fit in because you think you are too ashamed to even be honest with God. You've made one mistake too many, you think. Are you there because you've been mistreated by others? You've been told that you don't belong. Jesus sees you. Jesus wants to meet with you just as he met with the woman at the well. And these are the words that he would say to you. I am your Messiah. I am your freedom. There is nothing that you need hide or keep from me. Maybe we have been trying to do just that. We've been taking ourselves to the well every day to manage the pain and the sin on our own. We've been going there each day, repeating the same cycles of water. We're drinking, sorry, the same cycles of behavior, but we're drinking in effect from the same water every day, telling ourselves the same lies over and over and over again. We're not enough. This can never be dealt with. This can never be changed. No one will ever see me any differently. I can't even talk about this to God. I have let him down. I've let everyone down, whatever it may be. I've got to sort this out on my own. And we're just going through the same rhythms of life. My question is, do you want to be free? Do you want to be free? If you do, bring it to Jesus. 
don't hold on to whatever it is that is keeping you at that well every day, avoiding everyone else. Don't keep lowering your bucket into the same water when Jesus says, I have got the water of life. I have got the water that can swell up like a spring of eternity and bring you eternal freedom. Let him tell you your story. Let him walk you through your heart. Let him reset you, bring you freedom, clear everything from your deepest places of your heart. It's in these places that Jesus wants to meet us. And it's from these places that we can pray a simple prayer. God, come and get me. Come and get me. Just like you made your way to the woman at the well. Come and get me. Maybe we see ourselves in the town of Sikar. Maybe we know that we've made judgments about others that aren't ours to make. Or we've carried on with the social norms of the day and haven't realised the impact of our actions and what they have meant for other people. We haven't stopped to consider who is actually going out to the well every day because they have been separated. And Jesus would look at us and say, I am your Messiah. I am your freedom. I am the king of this kingdom and I set the culture of this kingdom. Let me show you what it is to live and be part of my kingdom. Let me teach you my ways. And for those of us that know that this is an area where we need to pay attention, what could it look like this week, this month, this year for us to begin to cross boundary lines for us to walk over and have conversations with others instead of making judgments, for us to serve rather than use, for us to be friends with and not just two people, for us to listen, for us to invite rather than separate, for us to sit down and have dinner with, for us to go out and see who is at the well alone so that we see all of us as made in the image of God. Lisa Sharon Harper in her book, The Very Good Gospel, talks about this biblical um, understanding of shalom, which is this sense of peace, of wholeness, of everything being just as it should be. And we experience shalom internally, but it also happens in the spaces between us, between people, between friendships, between relationships, between creation, between um, systems. And this is what she says, Shalom is what the kingdom of God smells like. It's what the kingdom looks like. And it's what Jesus requires of the kingdom's citizens. It's when everyone has enough. It's when shame is renounced and inner freedom is laid hold of. It's when human dignity, bestowed by the image of God in all of humanity, is cultivated, protected and served. This is the kingdom of Jesus. The town of Sychar is changed because of this woman's encounter with Jesus. Freedom changed her. Freedom released her. Freedom opened a door for her. It's this, it's this image of freedom that we see. 
because the very place where she was hiding, the very place where she was shamed, the very place where she was going to on her own from everyone else was the very place that became her story of healing and of freedom. And it was from that place that she ran back to her town and she didn't go back to her town and treat them the way that they treated her. But instead, she didn't, well, she didn't go and say, I found the Messiah and he's just for me. I found the Messiah, but I'm going to keep this boundary line in place. No, she went back to her town and she said, come. She went back with an invite and she said, come and meet the man that has told me everything I have ever done. Everything that she had ever done, everything that others thought about her, everything that she'd been telling herself had lost its power because Jesus had met with her. She had encountered his freedom. And so she went and said, come and meet him. And the town people went and they met Jesus and they asked Jesus to stay with them. And so he stayed with them for two days, um, teaching them, learning from them. And they said to the woman, we, it started with your story, but now we have met Jesus for ourselves. Now we know that he is the Messiah. A whole town was changed. To live in the freedom of God is to live humbly, to live forgiven. It's to say, I don't have it all together. I can't save myself, but I can bring my whole self to you. Free me, Jesus. Teach me what it is to live as a citizen of your kingdom. And as we share our stories of freedom with each other, we then get to proclaim the same mandate that was on Jesus when he announced in Isaiah 61 is the same mandate on us, that we have good news to preach to those who are poor. We have freedom to bring to those who are captives. Freedom is our inheritance and freedom is our calling that we would be a church that would say, Jesus, stay with us. Teach us what it is, free us, and then help us live as free citizens of your kingdom, inviting others to everything that we have found. As the song says, I want freedom. I want freedom, but not as much as you want me to be free. I want freedom. I want freedom. I've caught a glimpse of something more than I can be. So much more than I can be. And as we go in to sing our, our song, our final song of worship, maybe just take this moment, if you see yourself as the woman at the well, just simply pray if you think you've had enough, you wanna know the water of life that refreshes, pray simply, God, come and get me, come and find me where I am, I invite you in. And sometimes God will heal in a moment. I totally believe that he does that. And sometimes it's in a process. It's over the long haul. And sometimes it's the moments that add up to the long haul. We can encounter him in prayer in our own places where we are this morning. And we can also we're also not meant to do this simply on our own, but as part of community. We have a steps course as a church that is all about this. We have alpha course if you want to know more about who Jesus is 
and what this kingdom of God is really like. We have someone that would love to pray with you if you think I can pray this prayer, but I would just actually love to have someone pray with me. We have a pastoral care team. If you think there's just some things I'm not sure I'm, I want, of course, but I'd love to just talk with someone about. We have connect groups that meet every week where we are working this out together. So you choose one of those as you pray this simple prayer. And if we know that we see ourselves in the, as this town of Sikar, we just also simply pray as we come to worship, God, come and get me. Free me from the old mindset, the ways, open my eyes to see the picture of your kingdom. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to Christchurch London.